Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, presented by Curriculum Track, a brief retreat from your daily routine to explore the latest thinking and practices from faith-based educators and instructional leaders from all over. Join us as we swap innovative ideas geared towards promoting your school's mission, and we'll keep the conversation as fresh as you like your coffee. Laura Lynn Vasquez visits the Teacher's Lounge today to talk to us about technology and education. Laura Lynn is the Product Manager and Curriculum Director for Beyond Technology Education, a, a K-12 technology resource, and one of the latest content providers to Curriculum Track, a publisher partner with Curriculum Track. Laura Lynn has wide-ranging experience in both K-12 and adult learning with technology, team building, leadership development, and even pastoral ministry. And she'll probably share some of that with us today as well. She is currently the secondary chaplain and middle school Bible teacher at Rancho Christian School in Temecula, California. She's a wife of 32 years with three adult daughters. And she says there's always an adventure going on in her house, whether it's planning to go hiking, sharing great meals, or visiting with friends. Laura Lynn's also an author and yet somehow found time to uh, to join us today. And I'm glad that she did. Welcome, Laura Lynn. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. Uh, there's a lot of experience to unpack. And even before uh, we started recording our conversation, we we're talking about more things that we could dig into. And <laughs> I, I'm sure that I missed something as far as your background and your experience. What else would be helpful for us to know before we start talking mm -hmm. about technology? Well, I have been in education for 30 plus years. I started off in technology as a young college kid who wasn't doing well in education at that time in my own education. And I walked into the Apple store and in the Apple store, there was these computers that I, I've seen computers before, but I'd come to school with a typewriter, right? I'm <laughs> aging myself. And then I walked into there, met the rep and I walked out with a computer. That was unbelievable. I was ready to sell my car to have a computer. And sure enough, my grades increased. I was able to compete in a way that I hadn't before. So I knew educational technology 30 years ago would be a game changer. Mm -hmm. I also had a heart for the marginalized, a heart for those who were struggling. struggling. My first job was working at a juvenile hall. And I worked at a juvenile hall and I was this tiny little thing with these big, scary kids. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I just loved them, loved on them and tried to teach them what I could. And from there, worked at boarding schools around the country. So my husband mm -hmm. and I actually launched boarding schools for runaway teenagers. And I was the curriculum, one of the curriculum writers at that time. There was a fantastic team, another couple that actually were the head of the schools at that time. And they brought my husband and I on and along with them and their adventures. And we wrote curriculum. My The curriculum we were writing wasn't the academic curriculum. Mm -hmm. We had you know teachers and um, curriculum for that. But I was writing what we would today call SEL, but at that time, I just called it good, healthy living. And mm -hmm. I would use the Beatitudes oh, as right. my background on how we're to live and how we're to teach these students to live. They yeah. may not have known it. You know, we had kids from all different faiths and backgrounds, but um, the word of God never goes void. And yeah. that's what I used as my template. Yeah, that's amazing. And you, you at least agreed with me when I called you a curriculum nerd earlier. Yeah. So you yeah. enjoy, and that's not a, that's a great term in my mind. I wear that I with it. pride. Compliment. I love curriculum. Uh, mm -hmm. It sounds like you do too. And just the opportunity to write and to share and to help other people understand things is, is yeah. definitely within your wheelhouse. And I can't, 
get over the fact that you're you're bringing that into the Bible classroom, but also as a as a chaplain there at Rancho Christian, trying to shepherd mm-hmm. students not only academically, but mm-hmm. also spiritually. Yeah. What are some of the other things that you've helped do at your school, Rancho Christian? Well, I help. I was one of the founders of our uh, robotics team. Mm. We're first robotics, our high school team. And so I was asked by one of the primary investors and founders if I would come join her. We went to all these trainings and I fell in love with first robotics because again, here's this life ready skill mm-hmm. using technology that kids can get excited about. You know, like I was with my first computer, they are with robotics and it truly is. I can't shout out first robotics enough on how they equip kids for life mm-hmm. and have fun around technology. So we helped launch that. There's, you know, all kinds of facets to it, but we did that. We established a one-to-one program in the school when nobody else was doing one-to-one and it was a little intimidating and scary, but we did it. And that program is still strong. Our middle schoolers have iPads and the high school mm-hmm. students bring their own devices. And it's just, it's been great because what I have said is we turn the yuck into yum. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of yuck on the world of the internet today, yeah. right? Yeah. And parents are afraid and kids get in trouble and yuck happens. Um, so we get to guide our students towards the yum and guide our parents towards it from K through 12. Today, I'm, I was working with uh, some high school kids. I'm teaching them how to write a sermon. And this kid's Chinese, and he doesn't know if he really believes in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking it through, I'm asking him to just Google a few things, some historical facts, some scripture. And, you know, here he is using technology, and it's actually teaching him the gospel. Mm. I'm pointing him to it, right? I'm showing him the yum of the gospel, and his mind is getting blown in it. And it's just, it's so exciting. So, you know, again, that goes back to my curriculum nerdiness that I love. Like, oh my gosh, I can pull this in and pull that yeah. in and make this really fun for the kids, you know? Yeah. Um, but and yeah, you, so. You stepped back into the classroom during mm-hmm. COVID or just prior to COVID. How did that, you were, you, you were on the pastoral mm-hmm. side at your church for a while, but then stepped back. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was, I was a pastor in eight, eight to nine years. I was a small group pastor. I'm a connector. I love to connect people and draw them together. And when COVID happened, small groups stopped, you know, I, I actually, we had a lot of small groups meeting, but it looked different. They weren't mm-hmm. meeting at the church. They were meeting around town. People were meeting at parks and all kinds of places. But um, just because of the nature of it, in the same time, we had teachers leaving the school. Well, I have a master's in education. It was an appropriate fit for mm-hmm. me to go back at a time when, frankly, we weren't having a lot of stuff happening on our campus. Yeah. So it, it was really tough to go back into the classroom, even though the kids are beautiful, the staff you work with, right? We're, that's why we're teachers, because of the yeah. students and the staff. Yeah. Yeah, that that we are with. So it was an adjustment. And when coming back with kids who've been out of school, and the pain and the heartache and the trauma that they've endured, um, what was really rough, then you had, you know, some kids that were homeschooled, because they're, well, they all were homeschooled, technically, right, for a bit, but just the nuances, you know, we have seventh graders that are two years behind. And, you know, that this is what the United States is, I'm sure, worldwide, even is, enduring. How do we catch our kids up? How do we get back to some kind of normalcy if there's such a thing amidst this, whatever you call it? Yeah. Well, and and maybe you have a different perspective on this, but it seems to me that one of the things that COVID 
and our response to it brought about was, you know, an even greater explosion in the use of technology in our education. I think a lot of educators were kind of forcing themselves to integrate technology into their, their lessons because it was the right thing to do. It's a necessary thing to do. But during COVID, we had no choice. But at the same time, it seemed like the use of technology, but also the resources in technology exploded during that time as well. Like everyone wanted to get in on supporting education. And so we yeah. have all, all kinds of apps and, and access to all kinds of things. And so give us just a brief overview from your perspective of what technology education looks like today and some of the things that schools are still struggling with when it comes to technology, even post-COVID. If, if that's a word yeah. we can use yet, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know, but, but you did hit on something. So much was thrown at teachers. Mm -hmm. And um, at Rancho Christian, we had we were prepared for the moment. Our kids were already one-to-one. -one. Our teachers were already trained. Our professional development, BTE, Beyond Technology Education, had come in and had trained our teachers at the very beginning. So we had some things in place. But even with that, so say you were a school, you're like, we're good to go. Or a school that really just struggled and had to jump on board quick. So much was thrown at you at once. All of a sudden, everybody became an, an app, right? Mm -hmm. I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, I've got that. And when you're designing curriculum, you want to have a scope and sequence. You want to have it make sense, not just for maybe that lesson, but for, you know, your whole scope and yeah. sequence. Yeah. This is a great app, but how does this fit into our pedagogy? How does this fit into how I'm going to teach in the classroom? What's my methodology on using this technology. And so what I saw was teachers just overwhelmed. And then a parent would come, hey, why aren't you using this app? Or another teacher would say, hey, at this school, I heard about this app. And, and there was really no one helping guide them through. You might have a tech team, but the tech team aren't necessarily educators. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to research and help. And well, okay, this one fits with our whatever, right? It'll fit on our network. It seems safe. And so, okay, go for it but they're not educators. They don't know how it's going to fit in the whole scope and sequence of that course or in the plan of the school. So that was one of the big difficulties that I saw and I still see. Now, even going back into the classroom, what technology do we use and what is it that students need to learn? Yeah. So I can throw technology. I have a 3D printer in my classroom. I had it for the first semester and I kept trying to figure out how I can use this technology for Bible. Yeah. And, you know, as cool as that sounded, I really never found a way. I, I can make bookmarks, right? The kids can make crosses. But um, the integration needs to make sense for that class, that that teacher, the school, you know, mm -hmm. all around. Um, the robotics team is having a blast with the 3D printer. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and our design classes. Yeah. You know? So as much as I wanted to use it in my classroom, it didn't really make sense. And I think that is the big question that teachers and parents have to really stop and think through uh, what's the end goal yeah. with our technology? Where is it we want to get our kids? For me, I say life ready and college ready. That yeah. actually is was the theme, is the theme of our school. But I think you're seeing more and more companies and schools saying, if our kids aren't life ready and if they're not college ready, then what was the point of that education? Yeah. 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 Well, it has that. to, it has to serve the student. We don't want the students to serve mm -hmm. the technology. Right. Right. One of the mm -hmm. things that I, and we could, we could spend quite a bit of time here and I want to get into digital citizenship. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is the way to do it. One of the things that I started to worry about 
on the other side as a parent during that time, and I had young kids Mm -hmm. who had a lot of technology thrown at them. I'm like, this is coming so fast that I don't know as a parent that I'm able to keep up with everything that my kids are being asked to do. So I have to trust the teachers that they're, you know, checking out these sites, Mm -hmm. you know, are my kids equipped to be, you know, the online learners that they need to be? How do I, you know, what role can I play in supporting them, but also making sure that they're safe? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest fear on my part was I don't know what I don't know. You know, I can assume Mm -hmm. that this is a kid targeted site. It's, you know, it's YouTube for kids, so it's probably safe. But mm-hmm. is it, you know, mm-hmm. so that kind of gets us into digital citizenship a little bit. Yeah. How can we protect our kids and how can we shepherd our kids even as we invite them to, you know, the world that they have access to through their fingers? Yeah. yeah. That's a really good question that we need to continually be asking because in every facet of life, how are we shepherding our kids? How are yeah. we, you know, be careful little eyes, what you see, mm-hmm. you know, I, I go back to the, the childhood songs <laughs> as well as in adult life, guard your heart. Mm-hmm. So when we're, when we're looking at that, we first got to acknowledge what it means to be a digital citizen. We're all citizens of cities, of towns. The, the question is, are we a healthy contributor, solid, good citizen mm-hmm. Or are we taking away unhealthy, destructive citizen? Mm-hmm. And so as adults, it has to start with us. How am I contributing to my city, my country, my faith, my family, all the areas that you are a citizen of, right? That you mm-hmm. are a member of. How are you contributing or are you taking away? When parents and educators can start and really um, wrestle with that. How is it that I'm giving back to the world, paying it forward, caring for others? You know, when we see citizens of a war-torn country risking their lives, right, to protect other people, we go, oh, that's a good citizen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same in online spaces. So as parents, we have to look at what kind of citizen are we? And, you know, COVID really unmasked some ugliness of online citizenship. Yeah. And here are good people, good people. I mean, I'm one of them. And I found myself getting so riled up <laughs> that I'm like, oh, wait, this is not being a good citizen. Yeah. This is not mm-hmm. being patient and kind and a peacemaker and blessed are the meek. You know, I'll go through all the Beatitudes. Yeah. So it has to start with us. And then, you know, your point of now you're a parent at home with the kids at home. What what does it mean to be a good citizen modeling it for my kids. And then how do I teach my kids to be a good citizen? And, and as an instructor, as a teacher, we're having to teach our students how to be very safe and to be contributors yeah. to the online world and, you know, not suck from the online world, yeah. take things out, you know, yeah. Yeah. the online world. Yeah. And how powerful that some of those biblical mm-hmm. lessons that we try to incorporate in faith-based education in so many other ways mm-hmm fit so nicely into technology, you know, the golden rule, you know, doing to others says you'd have them doing to you and so forth. And that fits on that contributor side. But what about, you know, resiliency and wisdom and discernment when it comes to how do we equip our students to Mm -hmm. know what they're getting into? And and is that part of, I'm sure that would be part of digital citizenship as well. So digital citizenship has a lot of facets, right? So one, you've got to make the decision that you're going to be a good digital Mm -hmm. citizen. And then there's all the little nuances that go with it. You know, and I always say I start with families on understanding digital safety. 
right? Why is it important to have passwords? As an adult, you don't have the same password for your banking account as you have for your email, mm-hmm. right? We just know that there's solid practices that we have in being safe with our stuff. And especially right now with what's going on in the world, you know, they're talking about, you know, the cyber attacks, you know, whether that's going to be personal or be national or, you know, how all that works. Bottom line is there's people trying to attack our information all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We can still be online and be very safe. There are safeguards, you know, so um, we teach our students too what is personal and, you know, what's private and what's public. And we're teaching our littles this in kindergarten, first grade, because they want to go to school and tell their kids all, oh, tell their friends, look, this is what happened with mommy and daddy, and da, 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 right? So we're teaching our children, exactly. We're teaching our children, this is private, this is personal information, and then this is public information. Well, we do the same thing online, right? Okay, this is your private and this is public. So we're teaching at the same time about pictures, Right. We can post pictures of you holding that cute little puppy that you have. But remember what part of that picture is going to have your address on it? Is it going to have, you know, is it going to be geocached? Is it going to be able to be located somewhere? Some of the stuff we think is really cool. Like, look, it says right where I am. But we have to again. okay, so wait a minute. Our children are younger. They're not me. Right. Right. People know my address. Actually, I don't want people to know my address. So I've done things to protect that. But some people are way more public than I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm a pretty public person, but there's certain things I want private. So we're doing the same thing with the identity, right, of our children and protecting them. So I've got my first grandbaby coming along the way and I've instilled oh, wow. this in my kids somehow, or, or maybe it's just this next generation is really understanding the importance of privacy, but she doesn't want her child's name out there. So mm-hmm. we've got a separate name that we call Baby E. And uh, so that she can share pictures with her family and friends. It's not on a social media. She's mm-hmm. got an album that's going to be private. You know, so yeah. they're finding more ways to still share the fun of social media, but be protected and guarded. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the passwords and the private information, the personal information, the photographs, you, you know, your properties. So we're teaching these things to kids at a young age, how to be a healthy, strong digital citizen, mm-hmm. you know, how to be protected from, you know, things like viruses and, you know, this, the kids, they pick up on it pretty quick. When that yeah. warning signal comes up, mom, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. um, or teacher, 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 you know, so and schools are having to wrestle with this. Schools are needing to have their IT up to speed. And uh, we've mm. been really blessed with a pretty phenomenal IT department, but things happen. Yeah. You get the chance to work with a lot of schools around the, the country through your work mm-hmm. with Beyond Technology. Yeah. And, and you say that your school was, you know, blessed to be up to speed, have a good IT department. What would you say is the overall state of digital citizenship and, you know, protecting your network and so forth mm-hmm. in a faith-based school in general? If you had to give an estimate. Well, I would say most schools aren't prepared. Mm-hmm. They, they really don't understand they're trying to nickel and dime it, which I understand. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we all are, right? Um, yeah. And now with inflation going, and you know, I, I feel really bad for these poor administrators. That even though parents think I'm paying so much, it costs a lot to run a school, and so I understand that. But you, you've got to pour into your infrastructure. That's yeah. really important to be yeah. able to have that have that set up. We partner with a a, a company that is just fantastic at helping the 
schools set up their infrastructure and, and get, you know, formation tech, everything that they need from computers to the network to having it all set up. But then it's also pouring into the curriculum, you yeah. know, and making sure that the right thing is being taught and not just a spattering, oh, I need to teach about passwords. Oh, I need to teach about, you know, your pictures, but really have it thought out so that when the kids graduate, they have a really solid handle, whether, you know, K through 12, they've got a solid handle on digital citizenship, how, yeah. how to protect themselves and be kind to others. Do you think, as you think about the whole scope of what digital citizenship entails, do you think that there are certain aspects that are more overlooked or underexplored with school-aged children than others? And if so, what are what are some of those things that maybe would be surprising for people to hear should be part of your digital, yeah. digital citizenship yeah. curriculum? Um, I don't think we talk enough about the actual definition of what it means to be a citizen. Mm-hmm. So whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our faith-based community, whether it's mm. in our school, we're really prone to it's all about me. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. my needs and what I want. And that's what toddlers are, right? And, yeah. and we're guiding and shepherding these young kids to see their footprint in a larger world. Yeah. And that whole idea of your, your digital footprint is just an extension now of your actual footprint yeah. that you're leaving in the world. And we don't want to litter in the world, right? We pick up our trash, hopefully, and we don't want to litter on the internet. And, and I don't think we understand how powerful our words are. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. This is a lie. Yeah. We know yeah. it's a lie. And words are powerful. And so I, I think we need to spend more time understanding how the words we say at home actually come out of our children's mouths mm-hmm. in the classroom and on the online spaces. Yeah. Even well, joking about Go ahead. I was just going to say how powerful for mm-hmm. that concept, the fact that we belong as one among many, we're part of a community mm-hmm. and what we do affects mm-hmm. other people. What a contrast to the typical idea we see out there on social media a lot, especially about the influencers and the people who are out there to just get what mm-hmm. they can, right? Like social media is their cash cow. As yeah. you know, what a contrast, and I think what uh, what an opportunity to continue drilling those biblical principles into our students just through yeah. that aspect of digital citizenship. Yeah, it really is, and you know, something that I've been wrestling with the last couple of years with the social media world is the the branding that happens. Mm. That you know, this personal brand idea, and I, I believe me, I understand marketing, and I know that when I put my face. I get way more likes Mm -hmm. than if I put something else, if I put a picture of my curriculum, Mm -hmm. right? People just, so I've wrestled through this because I want my, my digital footprint, my tattoo, whatever it is, not to be about me, but Mm -hmm. to be about how we're serving others and caring for others. But we, as a culture are drawn to the, I want to be like that person, that comparison idea. I used to teach a lot about, um, you know, there's the deadly seas comparison and now I can't think of the other ones, but the comparison is one of them, right? (laughs) But we're always trying to compare with others and are they better? Are they not? But it's the thief of joy. It was, I don't know. It was a faith, very famous person said that. I also can't tell you who that is right now, but so that's a quote that's been around for a long time. And so social media brings that comparison and, and we have seen, and this goes right with digital citizenship. We've seen with these social media companies, Facebook, how they are intentionally going after our middle schoolers, our middle school girls. Mm. And it's a crime. 
I, I personally believe it's a crime what they have done, how they, they've sucked them in and, you know, the cat's out of the bag. It, it is what it is. And so now it's up to us as educators and as parents to protect our girls. And that doesn't mean we have to be afraid. I don't, you know, the people that just want to be afraid and say, no, 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 I'm not going to have it with my children. Then you're not educating your children how to handle the temptation. Yeah. And you're not coming alongside your child and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful. You're created in the image of God. And just because some rule out there says a size two is the most important, um, doesn't mean that God believes that a size two is the perfect size woman, right? Yeah. So we are having to constantly reiterate, you know, the values that we believe with our kids and guarding their hearts. I I think social media starts way too young, but if you're going to open your kid up to that, then what are you modeling with Mm -hmm. it? as a parent, you know, I think that's modeling is most important. I think we, yeah, we totally (laughs) overlook the value of modeling as parents, Mm -hmm. as educators. Uh, So that's a, that's a great point. And then there's also, you know, this idea is the more, the more connected we make our students with the outside world, Mm -hmm. they're also more connected with each other. Mm -hmm. And so we get into social concerns like bullying and Mm -hmm. teasing and, how do we help our students yeah. with that? And I guess, how have you seen that play mm-hmm. out in your experience, yeah. maybe as a middle school Bible teacher or in other, in other areas? Yeah. So some people will just say, cut it out altogether. Just, nope, yeah. give me that phone. You can't have it. And there are times it is a great discipline tool. It really yeah. is. It's a great <laughs> time out. But I don't necessarily take that approach of just stop it altogether. Because again, uh, you want to be able to, while the students, while your children are in your home, while the students are in your classroom, guide them, teach them, educate them, right? You got to fall before you learn to walk. So, um, and I'm a big, huge advocate in that, but you've set up parameters. You've got a safety net. So when they fall, you're there to catch them, right? You're not letting them run out too far. As a parent, hopefully you've got all of the parental safeties on the phone and and you know who your kids are talking to and, and what I call some of the basic stuff, but it's not necessarily basic to a new parent who is just overwhelmed with right. it. That's one of the things that BTE does is we want to help set up parents for success. And this is how you have parental locks on your own. This this is what you do. But again, I don't want us to just go to the fear end. I want us to go to the wisdom end. So yes. this is wisdom on how you set things up. We don't have to be afraid, but this is like the stove is hot. You don't stop using that stove because it, right. it could potentially burn you, right? But you tell your kids, ouch, that's hot. Now they might touch it and experience it. And oh, now they got a blister on their hand, right? Go get some ice. It's the same way with social media and that we're coming alongside them. And as we're teaching about, you know, your digital footprint and your personal information and your password protection and, and all those things, we're also showing them, okay, now here's where the good can be. Here's where social media actually, like, you know, as Christians, we want the gospel shared into the whole world. Can you yeah. imagine, just visualize this with me, if you were to have... Christians being that light, the salt and light to the world on social media, that being the peacemakers on social media, you know, blessed are the meek, you know, I mean, just, I could go through all of it, right? Yeah. And uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I mean, if we were to live into that, the world would change. And that's more yeah. than just posting your favorite Bible verse or yes. saying, here's a verse that I think all my friends need to read. You know who you are. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot messier than that, right? Like yeah. it's a lot yeah. more relational uh, than that. That's yeah. the, that relational element, that community, you know, God has wanted us, wants us to be in community. And part of being a citizen 
is being a contributor to that community. And so what this next generation is, is already showing us, their, their community is going to be their online spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope that people go back to church and go back to youth group and, and start getting involved again in those areas. But we also know that that online community is here. Yeah. And, you know, what, whatever you think about Meta, you know, and, and that whole concept all around it, it's coming. And so how can we teach our children and our students in our classroom to be the salt and light in the online spaces? That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And along with that resiliency and boundaries and mm-hmm. recognizing when, you know, we need to log off, you know, we need yeah. to take a break for our own yeah. mental health, spiritual health and so forth. I think that's all. It's it's having a balanced time, right? We used to talk about being balanced in all our areas of life. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's actually studies now that are showing that not all screen time is identical in your brain. Mm-hmm. So when you're engaging is different than when you're watching. So if you're just scrolling, that's just dead brain stuff, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But when you're asking questions, when you're engaging in a conversation, when you're talking, when you're playing a game, uh, that's actually healthy. So if you're online learning how to research and do MLA format and all the things that you got to do with your Google Docs and and then um, maybe you're learning how to code and learning how to do spreadsheets and data analysis, your brain is working in a way very different than if you're watching a movie, watching YouTube, you know, watching, watching, watching and scrolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's teaching that balance. That's part of digital citizenship, right? Is learning how to be healthy, how yeah. to have that balance in it. It's not just limiting time. It's not just up oh, two hours up because now we you know with COVID, kids were on screen all all day yeah. long. Yeah, you know, we're we're having to wear the glasses. You know, the younger ages particularly, we're having to. You know, there is Zoom fatigue and all the things that were discovered at that time. But our kids don't have the same fatigue that adults had. I think they had some resiliency in that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is the adult fatigue. We're interacting right now. We're talking, we're engaging. That's more tiresome, right? Yeah. Than if I'm just watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's there's part of that in there as we're learning what is healthy screen time and having that balance. Yeah. Yeah. So digital citizenship, I'm sure there's more that we could unpack with that. Maybe you have more. What other areas would you yeah. like to address before we move well, move on? I, I think um, part of digital citizenship, too, the other thing that, that I always want people to understand is the concept of plagiarism mm. and fake news. Mm-hmm. So those are two huge areas of concern. It's really easy for us to copy and paste. Yeah. And just like in a paper or when you're writing a book, you don't plagiarize, you give credit to credits due. There's a part of that digital citizenship that um, we as adults and teaching our students need to understand when we're sharing whatever it is that we're sharing, you know, how to understand if it's a reliable source, who the source is from, and then give credit to the source. Yeah, Don't just share it. Give credit to that person, even though by you sharing it, it may show who it is. But if you can't find out who wrote it, it's probably not reliable. Yeah. And I say that to my students all the time. Okay, this is a great article. We're, we're having a, a Socratic discussion seminar next week. And so the kids are researching articles for their, you know, position that they're taking. And I mean, like, if you can't find the author, if the author is not going to save themselves and you don't know who, who wrote that, 
It could just be somebody with propaganda. Yeah, true. You know, and that's yeah. really important. And they're getting really tricky. So they will say that it's NBC News, but it's not NBC News. It's NBC News is like buried in the link. And so people are like, oh, this is, well, no, it's not. It's another page from another page from another page. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And I can't tell you how many adults um, I've watched, especially on Facebook, share things that were not reliable sources, whether yeah. I agreed with them or not, Yeah, you know? And so we, we've, so that part of digital citizenship is really understanding the, the source of where things come from. So yeah. if we can't identify what is true, what is fake, think about this when it comes to scriptures, when it comes to the canon, when it comes to all the things that we believe with our faith, we have learned to understand Wait, 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 wait. When this version interprets this way, I have another version. What is it in the original language, right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't know how to go find that, we do know how to go talk to our pastor. Yeah, right, right. right. What does this mean in the original language? Like, I'm really confused. (laughs) Or somebody quoted the scriptures, but it seems out of place, you know? Yeah. So we've learned how to do that in one area of our life. We now need to put that into our digital citizenship with sharing of all the documents and articles and videos. Yeah. Yeah. Good sourcing expert, expert input and so forth. I mean, I I sit and I'm, as you're talking about this, I'm like, how many times have we heard that some major, you know, famous person has died only for them to pop up on their social media account say, no, I'm still alive. Not sure where you're getting this information, but I'm still alive. I mean, how embarrassing, how kind of humorous, but also sad that we're so quick to, to spread information like that without solid sourcing. So. Yeah, it's really true. So that, that is kind of a a huge one for me that I'm continually talking on and, you know, Mm -hmm. the kids will say you're preaching to the choir and I'm like, we don't have choirs anymore. (laughs) Preaching to the praise band. (laughs) Come on. You know, they're not behind me, you're all in front of me. So I get what you're saying. But yeah, so I mean, it's plagiarism is real. It's rampant in our schools with our students. And I think it's because they just don't understand. They don't want their stuff stolen. Yeah. They want to be given credit, you know, whether it's artwork, I mean, even digital art. So we're seeing people create these things and then we're cutting and pasting and not giving credit to credit who's due. And this is just honoring the other person. You know, right. so I, I'm always telling people, be careful what you share, be slow to share, slow to speak, you know, quick to yeah. listen. It's the same thing. I say slow to share, slow yeah. to share, you know, as much as you love that. And really, that's why people started sharing because, oh, I love this. I want to share mm-hmm. this with someone else. Yeah. You know, but we need to be mindful. Yeah. And is it propaganda? Is So I go back to that verse, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, exactly right? The Philippian standard. Yeah. Think, think on these think. things. Yeah. Think. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hearing all of the biblical principles that support digital citizenship, which we shouldn't be surprised about. But I'm mm-hmm. also hearing all of these hints of other, you know, content areas that are supported or can support good digital citizenship, mm-hmm. like language arts. When we talk about plagiarism mm-hmm. and stealing work and good practices, and and even you know, I mean, we could probably go down the line and find that everyone could be responsible for digital citizenship in their content areas yeah. and to promote it. Um, yeah. I mean, look at this, the sciences. So yeah. we've got these, you know, big businesses that have shown that, no, it was fake. I lied about my technology. So when we're talking about this digital citizenship, it bleeds into the world. 
and be like, no, we, we need to be honorable. We need to be, who, who did this research? Where did this research come from? And, and people mm-hmm. trying to, you know, steal secrets. That's been happening since the beginning of time. But, you know, it, it does bleed into every single curriculum that there is out there, every single, you know, academic field of study. Yeah. It's very important because we can't escape the digital world now. Yeah. So uh, machine learning is here to stay and it's growing. You've got your AI technologies. I mean, we talked about meta. It's just all continuing to grow. And so as I'm meeting with language arts teachers and they're talking about the plagiarism that's happening, I'm like, yeah, it, it's, I'm not surprised yeah. you know, that it's happening yeah. because kids, it's just gotten easier. It's work yeah. to honor that person, right? And to give the credit to whose credit is due. So I sit here as someone who uses technology day in and day out. I am, well, I'm the person in my family that people come to if they have technology Mm -hmm. questions. Not that I always have the answer, but they think that I will. So that's who I am. And yet I'm thinking about the disconnect between my comfort level to use my own technology and my, how equipped I feel to help my kids or my students Mm -hmm. use technology. And so Mm -hmm. we've mentioned BTE a couple of times, and I just want to ask you, tell us a little bit more about Beyond Technology Education, how we can find out more about them, but also other resources that you might recommend to help educators just wrap their mind around this concept of digital citizenship. Yeah, so um, Beyond Technology Education, we're BTE for short, and our tagline is technology is always changing and we're here to help. So just like, you know, right, exactly what you said, you've got a pretty solid grasp on technology, but with our children, it's different. Technology is always changing. So we're mm-hmm. constantly researching, digging in what apps are best, what programs are best. How do we put this into a, a curriculum that makes sense? That, that's what we do. That's what mm-hmm. we do. That's what we love to do. Um, and I think that's important for every school to be able to have the champions come alongside them and say, oh, we've got, we've got you on yeah. this one. You know, we're here to help. Really, that's our desire is we're here to help. We come into a school and we evaluate, we talk with the teachers, we do assessments on everything from, you know, your internet to your professional development and, and where your the personality of a school, we really personalize it, personality of school. So whether you've been doing technology for a long time or brand new with one-to-one because of COVID, you know, we really want to come in and help and help with all these areas. We have a 36-week curriculum that we take K through eighth grade through. We have a coding curriculum. We have a, it's called CEO Challenge. It's a business curriculum, kind of like Shark Tank for okay. the students. And, you know, and all of it is wrapped around, you know, the world would call it SEL, social emotional learning. I call it biblical characters mm-hmm. or biblical traits, you know, that we're to live by with them. And then I also encourage parents, you can sign up for commonsense.org and you can actually sign up and get text messages and they just send weekly text messages to you. And I I love commonsense.org. It's a really great start when it comes to digital citizenship. They're really trying to equip parents. And so it's not going to be, you know, weekly curriculum with your kids. It is more for parents and educators to kind of dig into a subject a little bit more. Yeah. So we that's have common, commonsense.org. Give us the website for, for Beyond Technology. Beyondk12.com. Beyondk12.com. And we'll, we'll link out to that in the intro to this, to this podcast as mm-hmm. well. 
Um, yeah. Any other resources or input or advice that you'd give for parents and educators? So there's a lot of, you know, magazines out there or online web sources. Edutopia is another oh, yeah. mm-hmm. well-known big one. Otherwise, ed, ed, edutopia.org is another great resource. Um, they're always um, talking about different authors. So I'm constantly reading authors. They have one that they just put out this week and I can't think of her name, but it's reinventing, right? She's the author of reinventing writing and she's got, you know, her nine keys of, you know, digital citizenship that she talks about. So, which is all good stuff. So nice. I would encourage parents to get on that. And in one area that we didn't talk about is collaboration and collaboration mm-hmm. is another element of the importance of working together in a team. You know, yeah. Adam needed Eve. They were a team together. Mm-hmm. And often we have this idea of I can do it all by myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm I'm the rocket star. No, we're 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 meant to be in community. And that's where yeah. collaboration in the, you know, whether it's in your home, whether it's the set of siblings being competitive against one another, how can we build this together? Oh, yeah. How can we build these collaborative communities and and in the classroom and you know, all of our projects with BTE have collaborative elements to it for, for that reason. And I would encourage that the more you're collaborative in online spe- spaces, the less competitive yeah. you're going to be in those online spaces. And that just goes right into digital. Well, and I think that's that's why we're so excited to have a partnership through mm-hmm. Curriculum Track with BTE, because you know, while well, even the Lone Ranger had a sidekick, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> let, yeah. how can we partner together? How can exactly. we, how can we promote, you know, all the, the, the best practices and the next practices even when it comes yeah. to technology and digital citizenship and protecting our kids? You know, I think, I think most schools have probably already gone to the, the people in the know when it comes to protecting mm-hmm. their physical structures, right? Yep. When it comes to lockdown drills and making mm-hmm. sure that we know who's in and out of the building, because we get that. There have been some mm-hmm. very clear reminders of how precious yeah. our kids are and how easy it is for life to change mm-hmm. in a moment. Mm-hmm. And so schools have partnered with you know the experts when it comes to protecting their kids and, and taking safety measures there. Mm-hmm. And I would see you know, partnering with BTE as the same, you know, kind of thing. How can we make sure that we're not only equipping our kids, but protecting our kids for the the world that we're preparing them for? Absolutely. In the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good stuff. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's been insightful to talk to you. You mentioned at the top that you're also an author. So mm-hmm. what, are, what kind of writing do you enjoy the most? And uh, what's mm. your most recent book? Well, I love to write. I've been practicing with poetry lately. I've been just wherever okay. I go writing, you know, so that's definitely my heart is when to write. But I have been collaborating. Speaking of collaborating, I have found a niche in collaborating with other writers on books. And so three different Bible studies that I've um, been able to collaborate on. And the most recent one just came out. It just launched a couple of weeks ago. As she is called and it's all the women of the Bible. And it's actually the second in a series. There's, they've got, this is book number two. So it's more, some of the more obscure women, um, Jokaba and, you know, just different women that you may not go, hmm, what was their role? Why were they put in the Bible? Uh, so that has been really a blessing and fun to do. 
with an incredible like-minded scholarly women who, you know, enjoy that study. So I, wow, I don't think fun. we have enough Bible studies out there. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. So, and, you know, we, we learn about the men of the Bible from day one, right? right. Not the women of the Bible. And so I think this is good. I put my husband through it, you know, as I was writing my section of it, I'm like, okay, does this relate to men? (laughs) Not that I have to justify that because we've been reading men's stuff forever. Right. But it, it, I think it's really good for genders. It's just a good, it'd be a great small group study or Bible study on your own. Great. Great. Yeah. So I love to write. We'll link out to that as well, or at least provide access to you in some way, shape, or form Mm -hmm. so that if people have questions or would like to learn more about anything that we've talked about today, uh, they can, they can contact you. So, uh, well, Laura Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that there's a lot more that could be said, a lot of Mm. many more avenues that we could explore, but I appreciate just your expertise and your passion to connect this with our Christian faith and to equip Mm -hmm. faith-based schools to serve our students well. So thank you for joining us today. You got it. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Pleasure is ours. Thanks for dropping by the Curriculum Track Teachers Lounge today. We hope this conversation helped you feel more connected to like-minded educators and provided you with a thought, an idea, or even just a smile as you seek to do all that you can for all of your students. If you found this conversation to be helpful, do us a favor and rate this podcast. Also, be sure to share it with others. We would be grateful to hear from you with any ideas, questions, or thoughts that you may have. You can find ways to connect with us at CurriculumTrack.com.